Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast from the First Christian Church in Great Bend, Kansas. We are a church with a mission of inspiring ordinary people to live extraordinary lives for Christ. It really doesn't matter who you are, what you have done, or how you choose to worship. You belong here. We pray that this week's sermon blesses you and that you feel God's presence through it today. So today we are in the fifth and final week of our sermon series called The Difficult Words of Jesus. And again, what we're doing in this series, instead of running from or ignoring some of those things that Jesus said that that make all of us uncomfortable, is we're jumping in headfirst to learn about what it looks like to follow Jesus with everything that we are. Today's story begins in Matthew 19, 16, and it says this. Then someone came to him, someone came to Jesus and said, teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? Or as we open up this episode, what we find is there's a young man who's come to Jesus to try to figure out what he needs to do to live on forever in God's presence. And the way I read this particular episode is the man who comes to Jesus is actually a deeply committed Jewish man who really is seeking to do what is right. Or someone who's traveled a long distance to ask Jesus this important question because he really does want to go deeper. He wants to know what he's missing. So how Jesus responds is he says, well, if you wish to enter into life, keep the commandments. Or, or hey, buddy, you're a good Jew. You know how it works. If you want to enter into life, then what you need to do is keep the commandments, which is simple and straightforward, right? He should get that, what Jesus is talking about here. And yet, instead of accepting that and moving on, this young man wants to get a bit more specific to make sure he, he's really getting it right. I mean, he is anxious about finding what it is that he's looking for. So he kept, quest- he kept pressing Jesus and he asked him, well, which ones? Or, hey, Jesus, what are the most important commandments that I should be keeping? Now, this is actually a really good question because there's actually 613 commandments in the Old Testament. So, hey, Jesus, can you simplify this for me? Can you break it down a little bit? So, Jesus, you know, he responds. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And, oh, yeah, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. For the most important commandments Jesus gives this man to live by is a summary of the Ten Commandments along with the greatest commandment to love your neighbor as yourself. And yet, even after Jesus tells him what it is he needs to do pretty specifically here, right? He's kind of laying it out for him. He still thinks there's something missing, which is why I think the young man says this. I have kept all these things. What do I still lack? I want you to notice that that last part there. What do I still lack? Now, oftentimes I know the way that we take the response of this man, and this guy is actually some arrogant religious person who thinks he's perfect and he's just trying to show off in front of Jesus. That's the way I've heard this interpreted so many times. But another way to understand what's going on here, and I think it lines up better, is that this young man really is a devoted Jew and has done a great job in every area of his life to try to keep the commands. And so that means the real question this young man is asking Jesus or why he's traveled all this way to find him is, hey, Jesus, I know those commands. I love those commands, and I even do my best to live by those commands every single day. And yet, for some reason, even though I have committed my life to being your devoted or to being God's devoted follower, I still feel like something is missing. So, what is it that I have missed? Or another way to think about what's going on here is in terms of spiritual maturity. And that this young man is not some newbie or, or baby in his faith. 
No, this guy really is one of those people who has devoted and committed his life to his faith. And he really is at a higher level of spiritual maturity. And yet, even though he's done it right, even though he's been blessed beyond measure because of it, he still feels like there's something missing. Or or to maybe get at this in a bit more personal way, I want you to think about those moments in your life when you were doing it right. You know those moments when you're reading scripture, you're praying daily, you're coming to church, maybe even volunteering your time. Or think about those times when you were most connected and engaged with God. Well, what I know about that that level of spiritual maturity and growth is that oftentimes what happens when we're in the midst of living out our faith in the way that we should, when we're doing it right, doing the best we can with what we have, we're not perfect, of course, is we expect because we're doing it right that we should feel complete or that we should have a sense of peace because we have done what it is that we're supposed to do. And yet what we discover is that it still feels like there's something missing. It still feels like there's something that is not quite right, even though we have done it in the right way. Or how many of you guys might know what I am talking about? Anybody know that place? Yeah, I think we all experience it from time to time in our own lives. Well, for me, that is exactly what I think is happening in this young man's life and why he has come to Jesus to see what more he needs to do to feel that sense that there is something missing. Or that's why I think this young man just keeps pushing and pushing and pushing on Jesus to get the answer. And even more than that, I think that's why Jesus responds by telling him the truth that he doesn't want to hear and yet he needs to hear if he wants to to find what it is that he's missing. So Jesus begins and he says this, If you wish to be perfect, if you wish to be perfect. Now, what you need to get about Jesus' response here is no longer is he talking about having eternal life here. No, now Jesus is talking about being perfect. And the Greek word that gets translated as perfect here is telos. And telos doesn't necessarily mean that what we, what we think of when we think of perfection, but it's more about becoming complete or it's finding what it is that you're missing. So if you want to find what it is that you're missing, then Jesus is going to get into that. So Jesus getting the sincerity of his heart, he basically says, if you want to be complete, if you want to find what it is that you're looking for, then this is what you need to do. And then Jesus says this to this poor kid, go sell your possessions, give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. Or hey, kid, if you really want to find what it is you're looking for, if you really want your life to be complete, then go sell your possessions, give your money to the poor, And then come follow me. Now, to get at the shock that this young man must have felt when Jesus speaks these difficult words to him, just imagine Jesus saying this directly to you. Hey, you, go sell sell your possessions, give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, then come and follow me. Well, the same way that you feel if Jesus would have said that to you is the same thing that this poor kid is feeling in this moment when he begins to understand that that being perfect, reaching this level of spiritual maturity to find what he's looking for, he's going to have to let go of everything else. So, of course, when the young man heard this word, he went away grieving for he had many possessions. But, of course, or excuse me, but before you get on your high horse here and begin to judge this man for choosing to keep his stuff instead of following Jesus, or think to yourself that if you would have been this wealthy young man and and Jesus would have offered you that invitation, that without hesitation you would have just done it right then and there, let me just remind you how you felt just a little bit ago when I read this thing to you as Jesus saying it to you. Because I'm pretty sure 
that not one of us sitting in this room today, myself included, would have actually taken Jesus up on his offer because of how big and how scary it would actually be to sell everything you have and then to follow Jesus. Or that's why this is one of those difficult sayings, right? Okay, so, so now that I've walked you through this teaching and you kind of get what's going on, and, and let's be honest, we're all sitting around with a pit in our stomach wondering to ourselves, does following Jesus really mean I have to sell everything? Because if, if it is, that's kind of a big deal. It's kind of a, it might be a deal breaker. Let's just be honest about that. Let me now get into what I think Jesus is really trying to teach us through this particular episode. And, and it's profound. It'll change your life if you'll get it. So the first thing that I think is going on here is when Jesus tells this young man to sell everything, Jesus is not doing this in a mean-spirited kind of way to to demean this guy, in that if this young man doesn't sell everything, then he's not going to have eternal life. I don't think that is what's going on here. But what I think is going on here is Jesus is just telling him the truth about what he needs to do if he wants to be complete or or to find what it is that he's looking for. And the reason I think that is because um, Jesus... When he answers the question regarding how to have life, he tells him to keep the commandments. And then only when this young man keeps pushing that Jesus tells him if he wants to be perfect, if he wants to find what he's looking for, then what he needs to do is to sell everything. So with that being the case, what I actually think Jesus is doing here, not only for this young man, but for everybody who reads this difficult story, he's trying to get us to see. And and, and you guys, we've talked about prophetic hyperbole a whole lot, right? He's caught our attention now. We're leaning in, and this is what he wants us to hear. Living a life of generosity really is better and more fulfilling than living a life of having, a life of selfishness. Or in a sense, Jesus is saying a big part of what it means to live a complete life is to give. Which, of course, is a truth that that we humans, especially modern humans, have missed. And the reason we miss this truth is because we live in a world that tells us in a thousand different ways every single day through advertising and all sorts of means that if we want to live the good life, If we want to be complete, then what do we have to do? We got to make a lot of money, right? That's step one. And then buy all of their products because if and only if we buy their products or whatever it is they're selling, we will be happy. That's what we hear over and over and over again. But as you guys know from personal experience, from buying a whole lot of stuff to make you happy, but never finding happiness and contentment, it's just not true. It's just not true. So again, what I think Jesus is trying to get us to see through these difficult words is that to find what it is that we're looking for, what we need to do is instead of devoting our lives to having, we need to devote ourselves to giving. Or as Jesus very clearly puts it in Acts 20.35, it is more blessed to give than receive. It is more blessed to give than receive. Now, For those of you who are a bit skeptical at this point, because let's be honest, we live in a world where that seems kind of funny. And maybe thinking to yourself, there's no way that living a life of generosity is better than living a life where I get everything I want. Let me take a moment and walk you through how modern science is now proving Jesus' teaching on generosity to be true. It's absolutely mind-blowing what this research is showing. So the first thing I discovered when I got into the research regarding how living a generous life affects us is that Surprisingly, people who volunteer or who give money to support others not only, on average, have lower blood pressure, but it has been shown that they have healthier hearts as well. Think about that for a second, right? Along those same lines, it's been shown that people who regularly give to others through volunteering and in their community have much lower rates of stress and even less depression. But the most interesting thing that science has revealed about how giving affects us is that people who make it a point to live lives of generosity, on average, live longer lives. 
Yeah, so not only is Jesus saying this, but now modern science is saying that to live a life of generosity means that you live better, more meaningful, more purposeful, and longer lives. Think about that. Isn't that great? I mean, it, it, it's anti-intuitive of the way we've been taught our entire lives, but this is what science has actually shown. This is what Jesus has been saying forever. And then what happens when you keep digging into the why scientists believe giving helps us to live longer, better lives, it's because what happens in our brains when we give, when we're generous, is that giving releases chemicals like serotonin, the mood chemical, dopamine, the feel-good chemical, and oxytocin, the cuddle or love hormone. Those are released when we give. And what that puts into perspective, is that it seems to be the case that when the creator of the universe, when God went about designing us, when God was putting us together, he didn't design us to live stingy, self-centered lives based on having, no matter what the commercials may promise you. No, God designed us to live lives of generosity. Yeah, a part of the way God created us to live into our best possible lives, to live into that complete life is to take the, the time, talent, and wealth that we have and not just use that on ourselves. And it's okay to take care of yourself, by the way. Don't hear me saying that. It's okay to do that. But if you're inward focused and you're not about generosity, then you're missing out on what life is really supposed to be about. Or, or to maybe help you see this on a practical level in a way that you can feel, take a moment. Take a moment and think about a large purchase that you've made in the last couple of years and how that purchase makes you feel right now in this moment. Now, once you've got that in mind, what I want you to think about is the, the biggest gift or the biggest thing that you did for someone else in the last couple of years and how that makes you feel. Well, if you're like most people, what happens when you think about that thing you bought is it either really doesn't do that much for you now, right? It was exciting and then went away. Or you, you might be a little ashamed now because you bought something you really didn't need. But when you think about what you've given, you're going to realize that it brings you a sense of peace and pride and joy because you did something not to help yourself, but to help others. Or to think about it in another way, buying things is something that makes us excited in the moment and lasts for a bit of time and faith. And let's be honest, people, who doesn't like to buy some stuff? <laughs> who doesn't love that feeling when you get that right sweater, that right jacket, whatever it is, that right TV? Man, it is fantastic in the moment. But then what happens? It fades away. It becomes a part of our life. But what giving does for us it's not something that's so exciting in the moment. In fact, it can hurt a little bit to a certain extent, but something that will bring us joy and pride for years and years to come. So what I think all of that means, not only for this young man in this story, but for all of us, is that when Jesus says to sell everything you have, give to the poor and follow me, what Jesus is doing is he's telling us the truth. If we want to live into the life that is truly life, or even more than that, if we want to play a big part in God's kingdom in this world, then what that looks like is not a life of having where the winner is the one who dies with the most stuff. But instead, it's living a life of generosity where one leaves a legacy behind that continues to bless others and to spread God's kingdom long after they're gone. So I ask you the question, right? Are you living selfish, self-centered lives? Or are you living lives of generosity? Well, if you want to find what it is that you're looking for, if you want to live in the way that God created you to live, then generosity is what it looks like. Let us pray.
Father, again, we, we come to you, and, th- and this is one of those that really hurts, Lord. When we read this the first time, we're just like, man, how can this even be? But then when we dig around, Lord, and see the truth that you're showing us there, we, we find that, as always, what you're doing is you're showing us the best way to live. You're showing us not only how to live for you with everything that we are by living lives of generosity, but you're also showing us that this is how we live into the life that we want. It's a win-win situation. So today, O Lord, help us not just to understand all of this information with our brain, but now give us the courage to go out and live it, to actually leave a legacy, to actually do something that goes beyond what we're doing in the here and now that really makes a difference for you and your kingdom. Lord, we pray all of this in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon, and we hope you are able to join us next week. To learn more about FCC Great Bend, visit us online at firstchristianchurchgb.com. Again, that's firstchristianchurchgb.com. God bless and have a great week.